Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You're listening to Blue Jays Nation Radio with Cam Lewis and Tyler Uremchuk, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Episode 139 of Blue Jays Nation Radio, Uremchuk and Coombsy. I'm back after missing an episode, and the viewers and listeners have groaned because that means BK's not here. Yeah, this is true. When you were gone, BK and I started recording um, with about three minutes left to go in the first period of that hockey game. And I was like, this has got to be the worst hockey game ever to go to. The Kings are beating the wheels off of the Oilers. He's probably having a bad time wishing he was here talking about the Jays winning games. And then as soon as we finished recording the podcast, it's like tied at 3-3. Just a completely different game. It was so funny. Yeah, that's good stuff. Uh, But you guys got to talk about that Jays-Yankees series. That was a good one. Really good one. And the Jays um, the Jays have followed it up with another good series, Coombsy, but they don't move anywhere in the ALE standings. Yeah, well, to be fair to them, um, they are still kind of stuck in third, but the result of this week beating the White Sox in all three games was positive because Tampa finally went, and went ahead and lost another series. They lost two of three to Houston. Meanwhile, the Yankees lost two of three to Minnesota. So the Jays are now four games back only, which doesn't seem that bad because about a week ago, there was a point where it kind of looked like, man, the Rays are never going to lose again. And they're going to be like 10 games up on the AL East right away. But thankfully the Houston Astros came through for us. That, that was, that was positive. Yeah, that was nice. Uh, how about the Orioles as well? Eight and two in their last 10. Uh, they're off to a great start. The AL East, every team is 500 or better. You compare that around baseball. Every other division in baseball has a team with a point or with a winning percentage that's somewhere in the 300s. So pretty funny to consider. Like, I mean, the AL Central, I know we were all joking about it because uh, the Jays were playing an AL Central team, but they only have one team above 500. The AL East has all five. How is this happening? Yeah, it's mind-numbing. The AL Central is terrible, just terrible. Minnesota leads that thing with a record of 14-11, and then you have the White Sox, who we just saw, who, man, they looked really bad. That's weird. Um, kind of... Two years ago or three years ago, they were supposed to be kind of like the Jays, one of those up-and-coming young teams. They they had all these young guys. They were pretty aggressive in free agency. They go and add a handful of veterans, and it just didn't work. They, they made the playoffs in 2020. They won the division in 2021, and since then, they've fallen off a cliff, and now they look like a team that's going to win, what, 60 games this year? 
they looked they looked rough, and it's it's shocking. Two three years ago, they looked like they're on the way to being quite good. It's yep. it's wild how that happens. And I really wonder. I know their owners come out recently and kind of been like, oh yeah, like I'm surprised, or he said he's concerned about the start. And you look at that roster, <laughs> and I mean, how deep of a sell off? How deep can they go with this sell off? Like I know, you know, maybe a guy like Tim Anderson could be mm-hmm. available ahead of the deadline because he doesn't have a lot of term left on him. And you go through there, like, do they go as deep as let's burn it to the ground and trade Luis Robert? Like. If they decide to sell it off, they could be a fascinating team to watch this season off the field. Yeah, they're they're a team that could make things really interesting come trade deadline time. And I remember during the offseason, there was kind of some speculation that the White Sox might look to shed some money, shed some contracts, and start moving forward, maybe do a quick retool. But now, like we kind of just talked about, they look so bad mm-hmm. that diving into a full rebuild might make sense. And during the offseason, there was talk that the Jays would make sense for going out and acquiring their closer, Liam Hendricks, who of course used to play here. And this was before the cancer diagnosis. And um, recently in the past week, it was reported that he's cancer free. So he should be back at some point in the coming weeks, months. I'm not really sure what the timeline would look like on that, but man, if Liam Hendricks is back and throwing well, and the Jays pulled off a trade for that to add to their bullpen, a veteran name, that'd be sweet. That'd be awesome. There's, uh, there's, there's a, I can't think of very many players. I'd rather see the Jays acquire than Liam Hendricks. I've always been a huge fan. He was so good in Toronto. It was a damn shame. They decided to trade him after 2015. Yeah. And you think right now too, the talk about what the Jays could do at the deadline, like at this moment last year, it would have been like, oh my God, you need bullpen help. Like you are screwed <laughs> if you do not get bullpen help. And now you look at like, okay, Romano doing Romano things. Eric Swanson looks legit. Trevor Richards has somehow find, found his game. Zach Pop looks good aside from kind of one bad outing there, one subpar outing. Now it's at the point where it's like, oh, I want them to get another arm because I want this bullpen to be like an elite force. It's not like we desperately need a bullpen arm, but it'd be great to add a guy like Hendricks to the back of that bullpen. Yeah, it'd be nice to add like a veteran name. There really isn't. The way things are going right now, the 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 needs aren't really pressing at all. I think the way the pitching's going right now, and we'll we'll get into the pitching staff, the yeah. starting rotation specifically as we go along. The way the starting rotation's going is the best we've seen it go since probably 2016 when you had that group of five or six guys who made every single start the entire season. They never had to dip, dip into their AAA depth at all. Um, outside of like one or two, one or two or three Drew Hutchison starts, uh, and that's kind of what it's looking like right now. You have five kind of, and Alec Manoa is not a veteran, so it's more four veteran arms that are just going, 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 quality start after quality start in the bullpen. Like you said, they, it, it's good, it's solid, and I guess if you're going to look for one place to upgrade, it's probably the depth in the lineup. I mean, the lineup's been hitting quite well, but that's off the power of you know three or four guys at the top. You probably want to add some depth, so. Interesting things, man. I'm still going to keep my my one big prediction from the preseason podcast, though, that they're going to pull the trigger on that huge trade and bring Shoei Otani out east to uh, Canada. So while I was out in L.A., I made sure to go out and watch Shohei Otani. I did a Blue Jays pre-scout for him. Uh, so I went to the game on Saturday. So here's how Shohei's weekend was. Saturday or Friday night, he pitched. He was supposed to freaking pitch on Saturday, and they threw him out there on like three days rest in the middle of the regular season for whatever reason. But he Sounds pitched, like a good idea. Yeah. He pitches Friday, strikes out 11. On Sunday, he hit a dinger. The game I went to, he went 0 for 5. Like, are you kidding me? I didn't get to see him do one cool thing. He just like grounded out three times and then popped out in foul territory. Like, it was brutal. 
Anyways, I digress. No one listening to this actually cares about that. They care about three up, three down, and the fact that the Jays swept the White Sox. And if I would have told you after game one of that series, Coomzy, that Chris Bassett was going to have the worst outing of any Jays starter in the three-game set, you probably would have been pretty surprised because he only gave up two earned over six innings. But our first big up is the fact that the starting pitching went 18 strong, only allowed two earned. Jose Barrios and Yusei Kikuchi, what can you say? It's crazy. I mean, if you if you if you had this on paper, I guess maybe a week or two ago, and you looked ahead and you said, "Okay, we have a three game series coming up in which the three starting pitchers are Chris Bassett, Jose Barrios, and Yusei Kikuchi," you'd look at it and be like, "Okay, the Bassett one is the one I feel the best about," and yep. then hopefully one of the two of Kikuchi or Barrios does a pretty good job and the Jays can win and then take two out of three from the series. But everything's changed in the past little while. The starting pitching, like I said, it's been rolling the best that we've seen it roll in years. And a big part of that is the the, the turnaround rebound performances of those two aforementioned guys. Jose Barrios had that great start in Houston that kind of got wasted. He went um, seven innings and only allowed the two earned runs, and it was just pretty much from one meltdown in one inning. And then he follows that up against the White Sox again seven innings pitch only four hits one walk no earned runs nine strikeouts so that's back-to-back starts in which he's gone seven innings and the start before that it was a solid five inning start as well so if you take basically you take away the first two starts of the season the rough ones against it was Kansas City and Anaheim Barrios has been really good and this is probably the best back-to-back-to-back three-start stretch we've seen from him since what, down the stretch in 2021 after they got him from Minnesota, probably before he signed the contract? Like, there was good games last year. Mm-hmm. I, I, of course, Burrios had strong starts last year, but I don't remember there being a situation where he pitched well three times in a row like this. And you really, like, he had good results. But in that game against the White Sox, he was dominating, man. Like, it was, the White Sox looked hopeless. It looked like they had no idea where the ball was going. You see those pitch ninja overlay video tweets where he's, throwing like a like a fastball and like a slurve or whatever they want to call it and it's just it looks like the exact same pitch and all of a sudden one just cuts down or off to the side he looked dominant it was i i think and bear in mind this is the white Sox; they're not good at all i think that was the best i've seen jose barrios pitch since that 2021 season i don't see how anyone could argue against that you mentioned his last three outings where he faced houston and tampa two teams that are legit He went 19 innings in his last three starts. He's only allowed three earned, and he struck out 18, striking out almost a batter an inning over this recent stretch. Jose Barrios absolutely dialed in. And is there, not to take anything away from Jose, but is there anyone more likable on this Blue Jays team than Yusei Kikuchi? Can you imagine clipping what I just said and playing it for us like 10 months ago? It would be unfathomable. But this guy's ERA is now at three on the year. He leaves to a standing ovation after five and two-thirds against the White Sox, where ho-hum Yusei Kikuchi struck out eight batters. There was a video going around of him and Vladdy doing their cool handshake in the dugout. Uh, We all made the jokes in spring training about bearded Kikuchi and all of that, but they were all tongue-in-cheek. I don't know if anyone truly believed that this guy was going to bounce back to this level. And I know it's early. I know it's a long season, but this dude is 4-0. He's got a 3.0 ERA, and he struck out 28 batters over 27 innings. It's uh, Yu Cy Young Kikuchi. The Yusei Kikuchi Revenge Tour keeps rolling, and I mean... 
Back in spring training, like you said, he was killing it, but that's just spring training. We've seen a million times where a guy gets great results in Grapefruit League and it just doesn't transfer to the regular season. And, I mean, I don't know. You're a baseball fan. It's fun to believe that a guy can do the best you could possibly imagine. And that's kind of what we all did with Kikuchi here. It's like, you know what, Kikuchi's now the ace. Kikuchi Cy Young, Kikuchi Revenge Tour. It's interesting stuff. And then he just comes through and he keeps putting up good starts. This one against the White Sox, <clears throat> five and two-thirds innings, just four hits, one walk, and eight strikeouts. The, the, the lack of walks is the thing that looks so good here. Mm-hmm. I mean, last year it was, everybody remembers it would be all of a sudden he's completely lost the strike zone. It's one, two, three walks back-to-back. Every batter's seeing like six pitches. It's just a disaster. And now all of a sudden he's just carving guys up. And it, there, was this, there was so much frustration last year watching Kikuchi pitch because you can see this guy's a lefty that throws hard. He throws like 95, 96. He's got a pretty wicked arm. And it's like, why not just use that? Throw the ball in the zone and make the hitters try and hit it. I know it's not that simple, obviously. It's not, you know, pitching's a lot harder than sitting here and talking. But it was it was nuts to just, just watch him not be able to throw strikes. And now it seems um, the pitch clock or whatever it is has allowed him to just kind of slow things down, chuck the ball into the zone and see what happens. And it's unfortunate that his start only went five and two thirds and it ended the quote unquote technical quality start streak at seven. But it really is basically eight quality starts in a row now for the Blue Jays starting pitching. And pretty much any time anyone goes out, any of the five of them, you're like, we're going to get a solid start here. I don't think we can sit here and expect Kikuchi to do you know, six innings, nine strikeouts, zero earned runs every single time. But if he just comes and puts out a quality start, then, man, it's such a game changer because look at the bullpen right now is hardly getting taxed at all. The starters are all going deep into games and the relievers aren't having to pitch in difficult situations. It's it's the best pitching I've seen from the Jays in quite some time. Relievers in that series pitch for nine innings, strike out 12, don't give up an earned run. The arms on this Jays team are looking great and it kind of goes back well, no, I'm going to save it. I was going to talk about Teoscar for Swanson, but we'll save that for later in the show because uh, our second up after the starting pitching is Nate Pearson coming back up, making his 2023 debut. The ship has sailed on this guy being a starter. The focus now is can he be an impact bullpen arm for this Toronto Blue Jays team? And the first outing went pretty well. I mean, he hit Elvis Andrews when he had him down to two strikes, which wasn't ideal, but he still struck out a batter, didn't give up another hit or a walk, so no worries runs only the one guy on base I thought that was a nice encouraging outing for Nate Pearson I like the spot John Schneider picked too right get him in a game that's just a blowout but not like you know 12 13 nothing like games out of reach get him going get the juices flowing and I thought Nate Pearson did well yeah I thought it was positive because he hasn't pitched in the big leagues in forever it's easy to forget he wasn't up last year almost his entire season was derailed and we were waiting 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 okay at what point in mid late September is Nate Pearson going to come up eventually he's going to come up and then time just kept going on and it didn't happen you know he it's been a long road back for this guy to the majors and you could see he was a little hyped up when he first started and he hits Elvis Andrews and you kind of wonder, you know, we've seen Nate Pearson in the past. We've seen him implode. We've seen the command disappear and him get what seems like some anxiety on the mound. And then for him just to kind of, and I, and I pretty much just talked about this with Kikuchi, you have the stuff. So just, you know, 
throw it into the zone and see what happens. And that's pretty much what it was. It was a hit by pitch. And then he gets Rami Gonzalez to ground out. Then he gets Luis Robert Jr. Foul pop fly. Vladdy catches it. And then he strikes out Ben Intendi with that beautiful pitch on a string, just low in the zone. It's the kind of command that we haven't really seen from Pearson in, in the past. It's, it's pretty much what has been holding him back from being a good pitcher at the major league level. With the other thing, of course, being health, he's, you know, battled a, a million different injuries in the past. But to see him come up and deal with the excitement of being back, struggle with it for a moment, and then regain himself and figure it out and get out of the situation was really positive to see. It'll be, of course, we have to see him pitch well in any kind of leverage against any kind of team that isn't the White Sox before we're like, hell yeah, Nate Pearson, bullpen ace, he's back. But that's definitely an encouraging start for a guy who has had a really unfortunate year, year and a half here. Yeah, they flashed up the graphic. Like you mentioned, he hasn't pitched in the big leagues in however long. This guy's barely pitched at all when you consider professional innings. And they threw up the board with his injuries and then how many innings total he pitched at the pro level in each of the last three seasons. And it's like, damn, man. Like, again, for him to be a top prospect and have to go through all that, like, I just can't, I couldn't imagine how tough that would be mentally on a guy and you mentioned after hitting Andrews for him to bounce back I think that was a really good moment for Nate Pearson and I'll be interested to see if they get him into some action this weekend against the Seattle Mariners Uh, our third up we got to give some love to the offense when they pop home 20 runs in a three-game series and a big shout out to Danny Jansen who finally woke up four for four with two dingers in game two didn't play in game one went over four in game three but that game two moment and Jano kind of finding his confidence was nice to see yeah, it really is. I mean, this kind of goes back to Yankee Stadium when he when he when he hits the first pinch hit home run the Jays have had in since 2019 it was. And you know with Danny Jansen, we said this when we were a few podcasts ago, one of the downs we had was that nobody at the bottom of the order was hitting whatsoever it was. Bo Vlad and Chapman and Kiermaier and Kevin Kiermaier. <laughs> this is true. Um that's right. Yeah, he was the other one. So technically there was one guy at the bottom of the order doing something, but a lot of them kind of in the lower middle part of the lineup there weren't hitting at all. And the two catchers weren't hitting very much, especially Danny Jansen. But we all knew that there was going to be a regression to the mean positively. He had like a 250 OPS. And we knew that if he's going to have a bad two, three week stretch like that, he's also going to go nuclear for a few weeks and probably smash four or five or six dingers in the span of like 15 or 20 at bats. This seems to be a thing that Jansen does. He's a very streaky, very streaky hitter. But when he finds his, his groove and he gets really into it, he is damn good. And this is what the Jays need because we, we've mentioned this before. You can't have Bowen, Vlad and Matt Chapman all putting up, you know, a 150 weighted runs created plus all season without fail. They need some guys at the bottom to pick it up. And Danny Jansen, he's doing that Whit Merrifield. He's been on fire recently. I think he's been on gate. He's been on base like every single game this season, right? During the, during the Chicago series, he was again, the, the on base streak just continues and he puts up a nine, four, four OPS hits a double three hits walks three times, like always on base. So positive for the Jays to get these contributions from the bottom of the order, because it can't always, be the top guys it won't be the top guys every single game yeah the only game i can see where he did not get on base was april 8th against the la angels 0 for 3 no walks oh he got hit by a pitch in that game actually yeah he hit by a pitch so he's good yeah that is it's quite the run that whit merrifield has been on over this last little stretch here um 
yeah, it was interesting, right? When they acquired him last year, it was kind of a little bit like some eyebrows got raised, and it's like, why are you going out and getting a past his prime guy who, you know, is a righty, doesn't hit left, which we all wanted them to go get a left-handed bat as well. But And with a year left, we were all like, oh, at least if he was like, you know, a pure rental kind of thing and he was going to walk at the end of the year. But there was like, oh, you're committing payroll for next year to this guy. But, I mean, hey, got to trust in Shapiro and Atkins sometimes, I guess, because that's a move that's looking pretty good right now. Uh, let's move on to the downs from that series, Coombsy, because there were there are a couple. There are two for sure. I'm not sure if we'll be able to find the three, but George Springer getting hit and leaving the game in the series finale, uh, not good. I was hoping we were finally going to get 100. And again, we haven't heard anything about the Springer injury. Like, it might not be a long-term thing. But every time something like this happens, I kind of go like, oh, boy, what's this going to lead to? Yeah, there's always there's always specifically a worry when when something happens to George Springer, and it's unfortunate because we we had kind of touched on this, or BK and I had touched on this uh, during the last podcast. He had kind of had some struggles, and he had a pretty solid series against the White Sox. I mean, he doesn't play in the first game, um, comes into pinch hit, drills a ball, unfortunately, right at a fielder, and then in the game he does start. The uh, second game he goes three for four, and then. Um, in the third game is when he gets drilled in the hand. Uh, he goes to first base, runs the bases, rounds, um, winds up coming home to score. So you're kind of like, oh, yeah, no, he's probably fine. And then they lift him from the game. You hope that the choice to lift him was because, okay, we're playing the sweep game three here against the White Sox, who are dog shit, and we're already winning. Let's just take him out for precautionary reasons. We have an off day tomorrow whatever they did do an x-ray and it came back um it was negative and it's just a hand contusion so that probably isn't a huge deal but yeah i mean always always valid reason to worry slightly when it's george springer it always the the the, the, the worry is always heightened whenever something happens there 100 percent. it's one of those things that's like oh what is this gonna lead to are they gonna be managing it for the next two months that means springer won't be playing as often i mean i guess it's a good thing you know because they went out and got kevin kiermeyer this offseason so it's not like you're missing your everyday center fielder right it's not like you're gonna have to play someone where they're not comfortable or do some sort of weird stuff like you can still run kiermeyer still run varsho if you need to at center field and and maybe you can survive better than you would have in years past with a George Springer injury, but hopefully it's nothing serious and he's back in the lineup for this weekend against Seattle. I just mentioned, mentioned Dalton Varsho and we're in a second going to revisit the one of the big trades the Jays made this summer with the Seattle Mariners, but Varsho, one of the new guys early on loved it. Looked like it was going well. He's now in a bit of a nasty slump here, Coomsey, and he did not look good in that series against the Mariners as well. Are you a little bit concerned with the lack of production we're seeing from Dalton Varsho in this lineup? No, I don't think I am. I think, I mean, I don't know. Varsho, Varsho right now is, and you're seeing you're seeing people kind of make this comparison. It's one that was brought up during the offseason. But a lot of people are kind of saying, oh, yeah, Dalton Varsho is the left-handed version of Randall Gritchuk. Oh, no. He strikes out a lot, doesn't draw too many walks, um, doesn't come through when there's runners on, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, it's only been a few weeks. He had a, he had a nice start when, when he first arrived in the early series of the season. But I don't know. I, what, what I like to think about, the comparison that I liked is when somebody said in the offseason, he's like a left-handed outfielder, Matt Chapman. And there was times last year where Matt Chapman had some pretty long lulls where he wasn't hitting that well. 
but it was always compensated for by the fact that even if he's in a slump, he could, you know, mash a home run and he's always going to play great defense. And I think throughout this whole time, even without the hits for Varsho, the defense has been there no matter what. And I think that's, that's the big thing here. You really like for the bat to turn around because if you look at his past nine games, it's the Houston series, the Yankees series and the white Sox series. He's, only had three hits in 37 plate appearances, struck out 10 times, three walks, the one home run at Yankee Stadium. So an OPS of 400 over those past nine games. Really not ideal, but, I mean, he's obviously going to turn it around at some point, right? He's not – I don't think he's going to be the, the the catalyst on offense, the world beater, the MVP in the middle of the lineup for this team, but – there's going to be stretches where he gets hot and it's going to be great. But even when he's not hitting, he's going to bring the defense and that's what the team badly needs. That's why they made that trade in the off season. Yeah. And again, we beat this to death, but it was about becoming a more balanced ball club. Right. And when you look at the defense they've gotten in the outfield this year, you look at the contributions, a guy like Eric Swanson's made out of the pen. It all lines up. Uh, was there a third down from that series? Or are we going to cap this segment at two? I'm going to say the third down for me is the American league central just in general. Yeah. <laughs> the division's that bad. I don't think the division winner should should be guaranteed a playoff spot, in my opinion. <sighs> yeah, like, it's tough because you want playing for the divisions to mean something. But, like, what, are the Twins going to win the division with 89 wins this season? Like, it, it, that's not even, like, a far-fetched thing that, like, they'll no. be sub-90 wins and win their division. Yeah, they're going to win the division with like less than that. They can win the division with like 86 wins and there could be they could be the fourth best team in the AL East winning the AL Central. It sucks. Yeah, like Ugh. last year Cleveland won with 92 wins. Um and that was the worst of the divisions, but oh man, I mean it's something. It is something. I we've been Jays fans know this debate. It mm-hmm. we don't need to go into it, but like restructuring the way this league works would do wonders for the competitiveness of it. I just think having a system, I I would vote to scrap divisions personally. I would have 15 in the ALE or in the American league and 15 in the national league. And that would be it. And the top teams, like you see them one through whatever for the playoffs. That's how I would roll. I think divisions are largely pointless. I know some people would be like, Oh, travel. No, come on, get real. These guys are flying private now. They live good lives, nutritionists, all that. The travel, so what, you might have to spend an extra eight to ten hours on a plane throughout the course of a season? Like, let's get real. Come on. Yeah, it's not that bad. I I, I think something's got to be done at some point. Maybe it has to wait until expansion to 32 teams to mix this up. I think the eight-division format would be a nice one, too, but... Yeah, having one division, the American League East, be so much better than some of the other ones, especially ones like the AL Central. It's kind of like, ugh, this, this, this isn't, this isn't what this is supposed to be like, right? Like, the American League Central now feels like a participation ribbon that you're going for, where it's like it's more impressive to be the third best team in the AL East, and then you're going to get to what go on the road for a three game playoff series. That sucks. It's ridiculous. Ridiculous. All right. Uh, Let's step aside for a quick break and then dig into what we got coming up this weekend at the Dome. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. 
To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. It is Jays and Mariners, and it is the return of Teoscar Hernandez. I would imagine he's going to get the good tribute video, and the crowd's going to go absolutely crazy for the guy. Like, again, absolute fan favorite when he was here, super lovable personality. Yeah, I think he's going to get shown a lot of love here. Yeah, absolutely. The fans will will undoubtedly be happy to give Teoscar Hernandez a big clap, a big standing O. He'll come out. He'll love it. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he had a big series. I'd, I I would expect Teoscar Hernandez to launch a home run against the Jays. And I do hope the fans cheer for him when he does. I, I feel like it's an inevitability. Um, the Mariners, I don't know. They're an interesting team. They've, they've gotten off to a pretty pretty sluggish start this season i think they're only yeah they're 11 and 13 now they just played the they just played the phillies and they're playing a game today they haven't started it just yet they've split their first two games with the phillies um they got swept earlier in the season by milwaukee they had a difficult series right off the hop against cleveland and then a bad one against the angels it's it's been a it's been a ho-hum season for them and an interesting thing is the american league west looks a little bit better this year than it did last, I think, largely because the Texas Rangers appear to be competitive. So no guarantee for Seattle. I think they're still they're still a good team. They're largely the team they were last year. I mean, you could probably argue on, from their perspective, maybe they're a bit better with the addition of a guy like Tay Oscar. But we haven't really seen it just yet, though. We know just, just from last year's playoff series how frustrating and pesky the Mariners can be. So... Yeah. Hopefully the Jays have a better result with Seattle in town this time around than the last time we saw them because I I don't want to relive any of those situations at all. Yeah, uh, they're missing one key piece out of the bullpen and Andreas Munoz, who we saw a lot during the playoffs last year, and he was not fun to watch face the Blue Jays. And then also they got dealt the news that Robbie Ray is going to miss the remainder of the regular season. That is a big, big blow for this team when you look at their starting rotation. Um, Because they're still good. Castillo, Gilbert, George Kirby's fine. Chris Flexen's in there. Uh, But losing Robbie Ray, like that's a tough blow. It always felt when that contract was signed that it was going to be kind of a problem and Robbie Ray didn't pitch. He wasn't fantastic in his first year with Seattle. I think he got better as time went along, but he was far from the pitcher that he was in the Cy Young season with the Jays. 
And I don't know, it, it did always kind of feel like if you looked at the two, the two of them, there was Robbie Ray and Marcus Semi and the two big free agents. The one that always made more sense to keep around or offer a long-term deal to was Semi. And I don't think there was many of us that thought, oh, damn, the Jays let Robbie Ray walk and didn't sign him to a huge contract. Well, I guess that was also mitigated by the fact they signed Kevin Gosman pretty shortly after yeah. that. But the contract always seemed really risky. And I mean, hopefully for Robbie Ray, he bounces back uh, and the injury isn't too serious and he can keep pitching afterwards and he can p- keep pitching at a high standard. But again, uh, it's, it's not, it's not horribly surprising to be honest with you. I, I, it always seemed like it was going to be a problematic deal to make. Friday series opener at the dome, Luis Castillo versus Alec Manoa. Last time these two faced each other, things went well, right? I didn't miss anything. <laughs> No, yeah, Alec Manoa pitched his first ever playoff game and threw a complete game shutout, and it was fantastic. And then they won the next game, and it was great. Yeah, and Luis Castillo definitely did not <laughs> dominate the Blue Jays and put up one of the best playoff performances in recent memory. None of that happened. Uh, Saturday, it's going to be Chris Flexen against Kevin Gosman. Sunday, Logan Gilbert against Chris Bassett. So, I mean, I'd love to sit here and be like, hey, the Jays got their three big dogs going front of the rotation, but with the way all the arms are going right now, you almost don't even care. You're expecting really solid outings from all of these guys as we roll into a weekend series against a Mariners team that you said, Coombsy, has been a little up and down so far this season. I'd love to see the Jays kind of keep this hot streak rolling, and I'd also love to see more teams in the AL East keep kind of middling off. Yeah, that'd be fantastic. It'd be nice if we can see, you know, Tampa go ahead and lose to whoever it is they're playing. I'm just pulling it up. Oh, they're playing the White Sox next. Okay, so I don't have a tremendous amount of faith in the White Sox. And the Yankees are off playing the Texas Rangers. That could be an interesting one. Hopefully we see the Rangers beat the wheels off of the Yankees. And then we also need to see Baltimore start to lose some games. They're at 16-8 and eight now, but they're playing the Detroit Tigers who I read a stat recently, I think it was on Twitter, and outside of games against the AL East, the Tigers are really good. I think they're eight, they're, they're one in eight against the AL East with that one win coming against Toronto. And then the rest of their games, they're like well above 500. They're like, I'm um, trying to do the math in my head right now. They're like eight and six in non-AL East games, I think, something like that. So, yeah, I don't know. Maybe the Tigers come through and beat the Orioles or something. That, that'd be great. But I think from a Jays perspective, you're looking at this series against Seattle, given the way the pitchers are going, yeah. given Seattle's slowish start. You have Manoa, Gosman, and Bassett. I think you're, you're, you're expecting two of three here. There you go. That's the expectation, yeah. Let's hope the Blue Jays come through. It is 7 o'clock Eastern tonight, a 3 o'clock game Saturday, and then the one thirty-seven Sunday series finale, and we will talk to you after that one. After Seattle, by the way, the Jays will then hit the road for basically a two-week road trip that sees stops in Boston for four. Uh, Philly and Pittsburgh are the other two stops on that road trip. So an interesting little stretch here for the Toronto Blue Jays as they look to close out April on a high note against the Mariners. Coombsy, you enjoy this series, and we will chat again over the weekend. Best wishes. Thanks for tuning in to Blue Jays Nation Radio. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? 
Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 